Just in and so good. Thousands of spring deals at your Nordstrom Rack Store. Save big today on new arrivals from Kate Spade, New York, Nike, Sam Edelman, Free People, and Madewell, starting at only $30. Great brands and great prices on dresses, denim, sandals, designer bags, and more. So rack your look and get first dibs on spring styles you want now from just $30 at your Nordstrom Rack Store. What will you find? The legends are true. Overwhelming power. sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Donald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at McDonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the LPN Show. Recorded both in Los Angeles and New York City. We're just, you know, here to hang out. Have a good time. All right. I'll talk to y'all after a while. Hey, what's up, everyone? How you doing? Ben Kissel here. Welcome to the LPN Show. Today, I am honored to have with me the co-host of the greatest wrestling podcast slash sports podcast that's ever existed. Kind of fun. My co-host, Katie Dirks, is my guest today on the LPN Show. It's a get-to-know-Katie episode, and I'm sure you will all love her just as much as I do. Katie, thanks so much for being on the show. Oh, man, you set the bar way too high. You should have been like, you might like her. I don't know. This this <laughs> next gal coming to this stage. Uh, it she's, could all right. be a, it, she's all right. What kind of host would do that? That would be horrible. Anyone <laughs> that comes on the LPN show and anyone part of the last podcast network family is superior to everybody else. And of course, the listeners, that goes to you as well. You're definitely better than a lot of those other listeners out there. I don't even know. Everyone no, needs to true. be encouraged, and I'll just that's, say it for now. It's We all need to hear it, and it's absolutely true. Everyone's doing great, so hang on in there, and again, we'll continue to truck along. Well, speaking of trucking along, Katie, you have a massive career in the entertainment business, not necessarily in front of the camera, but in a much more important role, which is behind the camera. Katie Debatable. Has, I <laughs> think Debatable it is. And best. <laughs> Anyone can be in front of the camera. It's the people that set everything up and make sure that everything works and make sure that the person who is in front of the camera doesn't do something to cancel the entire show and their career Every episode. That's the job of a producer. And as we see with Roseanne, sometimes producers don't necessarily get it right. Katie Dirks, you have you produced the Jim Jeffrey show, you produced Bar Rescue, and you also produced Ice Road Truckers, among a series of other things. But I gotta start because you know I love my restaurant shows. I love mm. Restaurant Impossible, I love Bar Rescue, I love all of these shows that just show a bunch of business owners in complete and utter disarray. To the point where they've got to call a guy like John Tapper. Can you give the audience a little bit of insight into Bar Rescue? How did it work? How did the show start? And of course, we have to ask the question, it being that we often discuss the kayfabe world of professional wrestling. Oh, yeah. How real was this show? Because some of the rescues, some of the bars that were saved by this Tapper character how the hell were they even open in the first place? Katie, what's the process like behind the scenes of Bar Rescue? The Well, the one thing that I... Okay, so I've worked on a ton of different shows. Like, in the in reality, your hand in producing is, like, it's a pretty wide margin of, like, how much as a producer or a writer or whatever you want to call that position uh, influences the story. Right. And for Bar... Um, I can honestly say, and this is going to sound crazy, I can honestly say that that show is 95% real. However, okay. there's an asterisk by that. Because once you're on the show, and you've seen the show, at this point, if you're on the show, you've probably seen the show. So you know that John's going to come in at some point, he's going to yell and scream, and then everyone's going to get sent home, and then we're going to come back the next day, we're going to have a meeting, and it is, because that's just the format of the show. So you know these scenes. How do you find the bars? Like if a bar knows that they are doing something so wrong that they should be a contestant on Bar Rescue, why wouldn't that bar owner just be like, 
We could probably fix this on our own. Why do we need the why do we need to televise it to the entire country that our <laughs> bar is full of mouse crap and our food is disgusting and our liquor is watered down? What's the point? That's what I always ask myself about all of these shows. What is the point of being the restaurateur? Setting yourself up to get screamed at by a balding man who has a questionable history in life. <laughs> Why would they put themselves in this position as opposed to recognizing everything is so bad that they should probably go on a reality show to fix it, but nix the reality show part and just fix it? What is wrong with these people? Well, it's 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 twofold because there's there's the people that want to just be on TV. So you have that portion, that percentage of the bar owners. And then you have the fact that like you have like legitimate people that are decent humans um, that are in a bad position that will get publicity out of the deal. And they're getting a makeover out of it. So and these makeovers aren't just they're not shitty makeovers like they're these not. makeovers. We have like they have like a very talented team um, that takes a lot of time to like get everything approved and make sure it works in the city and look at the demographics and like they do the best they can, and I think that's part of the reason the show's been on for, like, 10 years. I think that's why part of that reason is because it's also been trial by fire. Because when the show first started, the makeovers weren't great. If you were on the first season of season one, it's like, if you were on the first, like, it's not, we, everyone was learning. Yeah, everyone <laughs> just gets an air fryer, and, like, they put carpet underneath the underneath the tables or something, like, kind of yeah, a strange like it makeover. it was definitely like a learning, yeah, it was like a learning curve on season one to figure out what actually, because you're also taking people that maybe have been set designers or have been have been interior decorators, but not necessarily for bars. And by the time, now that the show's been on for almost 200 episodes, Jeez. Uh, it's been on such a long, and each episode takes a week, and you're all over the country. That's two, the crew is on the road for 200 weeks, and it's a pretty, like, the crew is still... There's still a lot of the same people on the crew. Right. That's an intense um, freaking job. That's insane. So with, like, it's just been insane. I know with Bar Rescue, I'm happy to hear the makeovers were actually real because I did a little YouTube and on that extreme home makeover show that was like, move that bus. And then they showed the house and everyone's like, it's so nice. But then they showed the inside of the house and the ceilings, the walls didn't go up all the way to the ceiling. It was like a real oh, world man. house. It was a nightmare. Everything was totally shoddily done. It was all shoddy piece of work. So I'm happy that Bar Rescue has at least some dignity and makes sure that these places are actually better at the end. And they they legitimately, and I worked on the show for, I, sh I was showrunner for like 100 episodes. I was on it for hundred and. 25 or something like that I was on it for four years so when you're watching an employee piss in somebody's daiquiri right mm -hmm. like when you're watching an employee do something horrible and obviously we see it and then tapper is watching it and they're like i can't believe their person is doing that um at what point do you feel like you need to go and grab the drink out of the customer's hand and be like that's literally full of horse shit and uh <laughs> and dead flies you probably shouldn't drink it at what point are we all just complicit in watching somebody get poisoned we try to stop it before it gets to that point <laughs> like we can see it and and it's funny because it's like it is like a it is an interesting mix between people that want that know to, that know how to play the game that know on the first night when before John comes in and we I, we tell them, like we've told them, hey, like we have to see the problems. Like we do a scout, we see the bar before it happens. We have a a bunch of bars. No one they kind of they never really know for sure when John's supposed to come. They have they're led down various paths to believe if, if whether John's going to come in that night. So we try to keep it a little veiled. To a certain extent, you know where you know at a certain point that like all signs are pointing to yes, right. But when like we, but, we so have you to tell them you tell them that there's a bunch of cameras that you guys are going to put into the restaurant. You tell all the employees that you're going to be watching them, and you still yeah. get some of the footage that we get. I mean, it's like oh, literally yeah. people dipping balls in in people's steaks. Yeah. Well, once we're like once we're up and running, we you kind of, I mean, you kind of forget. The cameras are there, and that's when, you know, not to rip off the real world, but that's when things start to get real. And, right. And, and at a certain point, and depending on the severity of the, you know, financial situation or the bar situation or the emotional situation, like, some people are just fine with, like, letting their, like, because they, like, letting everything hang out because they know that 
were there to at least help at, in some form or fashion. However, when things don't go the way we plan them to go or the bar owner doesn't like the makeover or something has happened or something along those lines, um, we we try to do our best. We legitimately try to do our best to fix it. Like they they do step in. What's one of the worst things you've ever seen an employer, an employee or an employer do on the show that you were like, Y'all know this is being filmed, right? Is there something that sticks out in your mind where like, I cannot believe that this person would do this. They must think it's totally normal to like shave their fingernails off in margaritas. Like at some point, do you just be like, I cannot, like, was there anything so shocking that you were like, this is, are they acting? Because this is insane. We, and like, yeah, most of the time it's just people getting like obliterated and saying really mean things to their (laughs) staff. And that's where I get very uncomfortable. Um, but there was one in, oh, I forget what city, I like, forgive me, I've done a hundred episodes, so they kind of all run together. Oh, so yeah. Point, but it's I all think, just America I at the end of the day. Think, yeah, I think it was somewhere, I think it was somewhere in North, I think it was Charlotte. Okay. Or Raleigh, Raleigh, one of those cities. Um, and the, it was like a nightclub, so we came in to like help with the nightclub. Oh, I have two actually. <laughs> but for this nightclub one. This there was a really bad stench. Like it just reeked. It smelled like something died. And everyone's like, and and we just showed up. Like we were just there. It was like the day one. We do interviews for day one, and then they we let them open the bar, and that's kind of when we see people come in, and it's kind of when we let them do their normal thing that they would do before we got there. Right. Um. And it just smelled so bad in this bar. And they were like, we kind of just let it go. We just like, all right. Well, no one's doing anything about it, so we should just shoot the reality of it. Right. And it wasn't until like the next day it just got progressively worse and we're walking through the bar and I we had cameras on and I was just like, why don't I just like go through and see if I can find whatever this is? And sure enough, I just moved one table, one table, <laughs> and there was a dead rat, like the size, like a size of a shoebox. It felt like it was so big. And I was just like dead rat sitting there. I was just like, oh my God, they didn't even try to find it. I didn't even try to look. I just like, I was like, I probably won't find it. They, they haven't found it. It's probably like behind a wall or something. Nope. It was just behind a table that they hadn't moved. Well, and I think that's why people are like, oh, they must've planted that dead rat for the shot. But that literally was just a dead rat. In and a we restaurant. had like there was one where we had raccoons in the ceiling. That shit was real. We had um, we had one That's with mice in the ceiling. Though. Yeah, one with mice in the ceiling. One with raccoons in the ceiling. And then we had one. Um, the one that I remember was was I think in it was in Murfreesboro, Tennessee. And uh, there, like you walked in and they they'd been open for like ten years and they had never cleaned their grease trap. Oh. And when you walked in, <laughs> ten years they'd never Ooh. cleaned a grease trap. And for Anyone that doesn't work in a restaurant or isn't familiar with this, like, A, fire hazard. Yes. Legitimate fire hazard. Huge. It's like a bomb going off. And two, it just, like, it, you hit a wall of just, it just, there's a distinct smell to uh, a dirty grease trap. And you just, it, to this day, it still makes me gag. And I'm just like, I, the thought of it, I'm just like, Bleh. Do these people even deserve a makeover? At some point, do you ever walk in and be like, you know what? We're just going to call the fire department and the makeover uh, is going to be a demolition. There was one bar that we did legitimately walk out of that. It was just the people were bad people and they were trying and they were trying to like produce the show themselves and be like, OK, I'm going to run out of the corner and I'm going to punch you in the face. And it was just like too much. <laughs> it was just like, no. And they weren't even good at it. Like that was the worst part is like. Sometimes Aww. I'll let it slide if they try to like pull something like on the slide. Like if if it's believable and I don't realize it until it's passed, I kind of just let it slide. But if you're trying to like fake it to be on the show, like oh my you got to go. It's, I'm sorry. Uh, nothing is more pathetic than faking it to be on a reality show about a dirty yeah, restaurant. Yeah, you got to get out of here. But then we've seen everything. We've seen we've seen I've seen mushrooms in and walk-in coolers. I've seen As in mushrooms um, growing through cracks in the ground and not yeah. mushrooms that's on a pizza? Yeah, no. These weren't mushrooms on a pizza. It was just growing cuz it was dirty. We've seen you, you name it, we've seen it. We've I found a we found a mouse and in in a fryer like in actual, it, it had it had gotten into the fryer and they hadn't used it. It was like overnight, 
uh, and it had gotten into the fryer and it had drowned in the oil. <laughs> it's so it freaking... There's some... Okay, my tips are bottled beer. If the bar is questionable, okay, yeah, always that's go a bottled good, beer. Yeah, let, let, give some tips, please, because I was going to say, like, anyone who wants to get involved in production, this is it. This is <laughs> the work. I produced a show. I produced a show on TLC called Best Funerals Ever, which was... You could argue offensive, um, but it basically was about home going. So the whole thing was absolutely ridiculous and insane and basically kind of scripted some story points or whatever it might be. And we were casting another show with this company, and it was called Houston Beauty School. And I realized very quickly that I cannot cast per, uh, for reality television because the people I liked were normal. No. And the people that, th- that they liked were people such as one woman who found a dead bird just outside of her front door. The day that we were interviewing her, she brought the bird in a shoebox, spoke to the bird, spoke as the bird, showed us the dead bird. And I was like, she's crazy. And the production company was like, she's perfect. She's amazing. She's amazing. So it is like such a weird freaking production is such a strange world but yes yeah give some tips i'm going out to a bar okay what do i how do i protect myself from eating mice feces eating a mouse themselves or stepping on a dead rat okay if you okay my first tip is if the place is questionable or if it smells at all just go with bottled beer like very few things i mean even if the beer is expired it's still not that bad. Like, you'll right. be fine. Um, avoid uh, any anything with ice in it. Like, don't. Really? The ice machine is always the most vile thing. It's never been cleaned. The, like, it, it, if your bar is questionable at all, just just go with the beer. Go with the beer. Play some darts. Uh, yeah. You know, play some pool. There's Keep no- the beer going. There's nothing worse than a skunky beer tap because I love my Bud Light Draft. Mm. And there's nothing worse than when it's skunked out. You can taste all of the fungus. You can st- you can taste the disease coming through those tubes. Not to call out the Yard House, but Yard House in L.A. in downtown L.A. Come on, you guys really? need to clean those. You guys need to clean. They need to clean their uh, their their lines. Bad. Like it. Well, up. I mean, not that I haven't been. I haven't been there since before March, but. <laughs> Perhaps John Tapper needs to go and and bar rescue that spot or just run some freaking hot water through your taps once a week yeah. and everything will be fine. Yeah, just clean your clean your taps. So um, is he is the anger real? Because that's the other thing with the reality shows. Like you obviously oftentimes see people breaking down, you hear the screaming, that's the drama. That's the content. Yeah. Is any of that, like, how much of that is, all right, I'm going to yell at you now, so react? Or does he just come in and straight up start reaming these people a new one? He takes a lot of pride. I will say, and this is in all honesty, no spin, no bullshit. He takes a lot of pride in being um, a recognized force in the hospitality industry. Like, he takes a lot of pride in that. And um, there is an element of him that gets, like, legitimately offended by doing some of these things, like doing the complete irresponsibility when it comes to owners drinking, letting people drive home. Like those things like do, and like, I mean, unfortunately, that's most of what happens, you know? Like if they're drinking behind the bar, if if you are a bartender and you are to the point where you are nearly incapacitated behind the bar, how are you supposed to be responsible for people that are, coming there to do what you're doing basically absolutely don't get high on your own supply yeah don't get high on your own supply and like i so i i have to give him credit where credit is due when it comes to those things of like yeah i get it like i and and with the show it becomes a platform ever been to delaware if not now is the time to visit you'll find a lot of fun in a little state since you can drive anywhere in the state in a couple of hours, you'll spend less time driving and more time enjoying. Explore from the bays to the beaches, stroll the boardwalks, and have an oceanside bonfire. Get a taste of Delaware at one of the award-winning restaurants and enjoy a local craft brew. See the first state's unique historic landmarks and experience Delaware's endless discoveries. Plan your adventure today at visitdelaware.com. The legends are true! We're overwhelming power! The sauce of destiny! Yes! 
The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of McDonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at McDonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. Does John Tapper hate Guy Fieri? Is there a jealousy there? Um, I don't know if he... No, I don't think he hates him. How could you okay. hate Guy Fieri? I, I don't know. I don't know. Uh, I, it seems like there's a high competition with a lot of these restaurant people. I know it's a very competitive space. And I, I'm going to say, Katie, I love, I love that you worked on Bar Rescue. But between Guy and John, I would have to... I'm a, I'm a, I'm a, guy, I'm a guy guy. I'm a guy guy, too. Okay. However, I'm a little offended that... The show that I can never rename, ne- never remember the name of the order. Di- drive-ins, di- diners, drive-ins, and dives. There it is, triple D. Dives, drive-ins, and diners. I no, can never that's remember ridiculous. The order. It's diners, drive-ins, and dives, and he's always rolling out to them. And he's always rolling out to them. Well, that show won an Emmy. <laughs> I think it, it better if that it show did. doesn't. It better win a freaking Emmy. Did Bar Rescue I'm win jealous. an Emmy? I'm no. Are you kidding? Not even close. We've never even been nominated. Well. Speaking of shows uh, and speaking of driving and speaking of Emmys, Ice Road Truckers, this show you produced. So you, you've done That's America. You were over there. You were helping out the restaurant business, working with John Tapper, finding dead rats. Another job you did. And again, if you want to get into production, this is it. You get to travel. You get to have a really crazy experience. Yeah. But oftentimes you have to go places that you don't want to go, such as roads that are covered in ice because it's so cold. Ice Road Truckers. Yeah. Were you there the season that somebody literally freaking died? Maybe. <laughs> Maybe. Katie, you have to remember. Like... Katie, you have to remember. You were producing uh, a show. I did two. I did two or three seasons of that show. Honestly, did I don't Did anybody even... die? I mean, people die in Alaska and like in the Arctic all the time. You are cold. Cold No, okay. Producer. I know what you're talking about. No, no, no. It just, it did just occur to me. No, we were not there when, uh, they've, I think they've had a few drivers pass over the years. This show, again, has been on since like 2008. It's been on 2007, something like that. It's been on for a long time. Do you ice the roads? Do you do you ever go out there with a with a hose and ice no. the roads down yourself? No, no, they're actually <laughs> ice. I promise. You. Okay. But I was on the season that was in uh, in Northwest Territories, Canada, and we were 400 miles north of the Arctic Circle. And at one point, we drove. We were doing a story that required that we drove. I want to say. Four hours one way. Okay. On the ice road. Oh my god. And it was and I and it was to an Arctic oil rig, so it was like an ocean rig, but it was all frozen over so you could drive to it. And we got to it as like How scary was that driving on because I, I watch that show and it gives me immense yeah, anxiety. It's not that bad. Really? It feels like what's funny is that when you're driving on the ice road in like a pickup truck, we were in we have crew we had crews of two to four people. So we okay. would all be in the same truck, we'd have all of our gear in Pelican cases loaded into the back. Um, and then we would just be in, we would be in like all of our Arctic gear ready to go. Um, in, we were either following one of the trucks or we were in one of the trucks. So, okay. um, but it's kind of fun when you're on the ice road in a pickup truck. Cause it feels like you're on a boat. If you can go like yeah, 40, he- 50 miles an hour, maybe not that fast, but it feels like the, the, the rhythm of your, of your drive and you can feel the, the, the motion of the road. That's freaking trippy, but it's if you go awesome. off if you go off the mountain though, then you're gonna then it'll die, then you'll die. Well, for for this for the first season I was on it, we were in um we were up by this place called Tuk Tayuk Tuk, which is like again, Northwest Territories, Canada. Tuk what is it called? Tuk Tayuk Tuk. Tuk Tayuk Tuk. Yeah. I like it's, it. Okay. It's like an ocean uh you can get there, you can only get there by the ice road in the winter. Um, it's like a native village. It's a big oil industry. There's a lot of like rigs there and stuff like that. Okay. Um, and it, that one, that place was cool, but that's the same place that we went. We're like around there, maybe like an hour outside of Tuck or whatever. We went to one of the rigs and on the rig, it was 89 below zero. Oh my freaking God. And they have this, it's, it's, it's absolutely insane. They have this loud alarm that goes off every nine minutes. Cause that's as long as you're. Like you're bundled up, obviously, but your right. eyes are obviously still exposed. Um, and like there's a little bit of your face still exposed. 
Um, so that's as long as you're allowed to be out in the winter, in the, uh, in the, in the cold air. So every nine minutes, they kind of rotate through three, um, like three groups of people. Does that make sense? What has been more difficult, having to produce in COVID or having to produce in negative 89 degree weather? In COVID. Really? COVID <laughs> is still take, more difficult? I would take, I would take negative 89 degree weather over COVID any day. That is amazing. So so when it comes to the Ice Road Truckers, people are watching that show, big fans of that show. What is something that you want them to know? Big questions. I'm assuming, again, is like how legitimate, how scary is it? Um, are these people's lives really at risk? Are they like, you know, how many people actually die and all that stuff? Like, what are some of the secrets that you think people would be interested in for in the Ice Road Trucker world? That uh, perhaps us laymen might not know. Um, it's so easy to die up there. It's so oh, easy to die. Good. It's like great. It is great. so Thank easy you. to die. Uh, like one, what do you mean? And, like, I, the why? only and the only show that I've ever been scared on. I've been like legitimately like this is it. This is uh, we're going over. Uh, was on Ice Road Truckers. I'm so happy you didn't die on that show. I'm just so, <laughs> I'm also because the glad sad I didn't thing is, as a producer, like you think, oh wow, we got a death. Right, because that's how producers think. But then you also realize: can you air the episode where the person dies? What's the rule on that? Or do you use it as a special? It's like on this episode, five go in, four come out. I mean, they, they. I mean, it's such like a, it's such like an unfortunate situation that there's a saying that that it's gone around that a bad day for you is a good day for me, Uh, and that. That's always like cut deep because there's a part of it that's true. Like it's very like kind of newsy. Like it's a bad day for you. It's a great day for me. Um, When it comes to like telling a reality story, which is like unfortunately kind of true to a certain extent. Right, right. Of like, I mean, like you really have to have like compassionate people doing that job um, when things get serious. And there have been... And that, I think, is where reality has gotten a bad rap over the years. And, like, especially in, like, the early 2000s where it was just, like, fucking, it was no holds barred. Right. Like, we will, we will manipulate manipulate every scenario for you to do exactly what I want you to do. And it is, there is, like, a psychology behind it. It goes deep. Like, it's kind yeah. of a, it's it's a bizarre uh, world. And, and, but on shows, like. Alaska shows or like any like Deadliest Catch, I Sword Truckers, Flying Wild Alaska is a personal favorite. All of those shows are like they're real people doing real things, real people doing extraordinary things, in my opinion. Do they change once the camera is yes. on them? What like what? <laughs> yeah, because they're not professional performers and it's it's not easy to sound this natural. Yeah, um, you need like good, you need good relatable on shows like that, on like those adventure shows. You need relatable producers and relatable crew that like doing what they're what they're what they're out there to shoot. Because like, these I truly loved. are. I can't imagine a person much more introverted than an ice road truck driver. Yeah, no, they like, are. No, they, no one is around them ever. No, they they listen to they listen to audiobooks and they daydream and they drive their trucks on very uh, sketchy roads in most cases. So how do you get someone like that to like open up and to not um, be a version of themselves or be a, uh, be performative because being performative, ironically kind of there's full acting classes now on how to act in reality television, which is, it's kind of, it's disgusting. I know it's nasty because it's a whole nother version of acting kind of, but how do you, how do you be like, okay, Bob, we're going to Bob, Bob, we're just calling, we're going to call him Bob. Why not? Bob, you're super cool guy. You're hanging out to the bars all night. You're like, this guy's fucking great. We can't wait to film. And as soon as you film, he's just like totally different dude. It takes, yeah, it takes like a minute, but it's all, it's all the producer. Like you need to have a relatable producer. That's not prejudging them or not. Um, not taking advantage of them or, um, or, or playing the game. Like I always tell talent that I'm shooting with of like, look, I'm never going to tell you what I want you to say. I will tell you what I'm thinking, or I'll tell you what would make like, I'm never going to tell, I'm never going to put words into your mouth. Do you, so what, um, how does that work then? Because obviously as, as uh, an interviewer, and I know you've, you interview as well. We're both interviewers. You yeah. can, you can get an answer 
based upon a question, right? So what yeah. kind of technique would you use then if someone, if you want to get them to, I don't know, talk about why they're here, maybe it's a divorce or maybe they're like, everyone has a past. And I can imagine the past that leads you to become an isolated negative 89 degree ice road trucker might yeah. be a little weird. How do you get yeah. them to talk about that stuff? What kind of techniques do you use? I mean, mo everything that I used in Alaska was like legit was legitimate. Like I was just like, I kind of just was real. I, yeah. I was real with them. And, and I, I was as honest as I could be without showing too many of my cards and still knowing that I had like a job to do. But I, just, I mean, I try to just tell them like, look, okay, th this is what I see. Tell me where I'm wrong. And these are some of the things that I want to talk about. How comfortable are you talking about these things? Um, I, like, just know that like, I ultimately will be taking this through post. I have like, I can help tell the story. You ha help me help you basically. And if you leave things out and, and I, and and it's to the point where it's a detriment to the story. I'll bring that up to you. You sound like I'll one of the, be... you sound like one of the prosecutors in making a murderer. Help me help 100%. you confess to the crime. Help, me, help, help you. me help you. Yeah, yeah. But then also like when I mean you know this from interviewing people of like when um, you know you're about to get the emotion, you just shut up. Absolutely, don't say a word. Marcus, like you never just don't say anything. I, I know this is going to come as a shock to a lot of people, but Marcus Parks taught me one of the most valuable skills of interviewing, which is exactly what Katie said. Shut up. Let them talk. Let them go. And I know many of you are like, you've never done that before in your life, Kissel. Well, if you actually listen to the <laughs> interviews, I do do that. And I don't talk too much. You do. I do. You're a phenomenal interviewer. What is post? Okay, so you're in post. Well, again, Bob, the mm. proverbial Bob. You loved him. And then in post, they make him look bad. Have you ever had someone who were you were like, in real life, he's really sweet, but the way that the episode was edited or cut made this person look like a schmuck or vice versa, where they were a schmuck and then the episode made them look good? Because I know there's a lot of like, you can kind of We've definitely in, done, you know? I've done way more of the latter than I have the former. Like okay. I've never, I very rarely walked away going, oh wow, that guy really came off looking bad without him. Like you, like it's really holding up a mirror to yourself in snippets. Like you, like you can only, we can only spin things to a certain degree. Right. It's not like I have, it's not like anything that I say is ever going to wind up on camera within, for the most part. Um, but like, we, I mean, they have this thing called frankenbiting that's like kind of a practice that's been done over the years and they do it on every show ever that like if you need a succinct soundbite and you didn't get it, you just kind of tighten everything, you chop up the audio and you put it together and right. you get your soundbite. But like the, um, it's kind of like an unspoken rule in the industry to uh, treat that with, res tr treat that power with respect. Does it right. always happen? Not necessarily, but for the most part, anything like I can confidently say I've never made I've never taken anything out of context. OK, and I'm sure uh, many producers can't say that. No, 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 no. There's people that play the game and there's people that try to I try to stay the course for the most part. And there's now, however, that being said, I have absolutely worked with talent that need handholding that need. Uh, direct, like legitimate direction of like, okay, you are here today to shoot this scene with your, uh, with your girlfriend building a toy set for your children. Right. Go. And in this scene, I need you to talk about X, Y, and Z because that's what this episode is. So we've done, which you're like loose. You might as well be just scripting the show. Right. But for the adventure shows, it's just you're you're on their time. When it comes to the reality, like now we're in, so we had like the reality show boom, and now we're in sort of the reality series boom with Netflix. Mm. And I, I mentioned uh, Making a Murderer or something like Tiger King, where uh, Carol Baskin, like the way that they framed her, I mean, I think she probably killed her husband. What the heck do I know, Me though? Me too. I just think it's kind of fun to think that, and it's probably true. Could be anyway. But she was very upset because uh, at the end of it, she's like, they made me look bad, and that wasn't what yeah. they said. They said that they were going to do this, that, and the other thing, and they were trying to be sympathetic towards her, and then when it was all said and done, oh, I'm I sure mean, Joe Exotic did. is still in prison, and she's still free, so it's not that bad for her. But, like, how do you, like, what's the line of... What's the line that you feel comfortable 
sort of setting for yourself where you know you're going to have to manipulate these people a little bit. Otherwise, they're not going to freaking talk to your ass. Oh, yeah. No, then that's absolutely. I mean, that's part of the game. That's part of the deal that when you're going for someone like a Carol Baskins, you absolutely have to play the game because at no point are you going to walk up to her. She's a she 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 wound up. It's what's funny about that documentary series is that everyone in that documentary series is a villain. Somehow, I think the only hero in Joe Exotic was uh, was the fella that got his arm cut off. Yes, and uh, then was like, I was back to work two weeks later, and I'm like, you are my freaking favorite. <laughs> like that was the only person. But in that game, in that world, you play the game. You play the part of being everyone's friend, and yes, it is absolutely manipulative. Um, if you. Like it's, I mean, it's hard to say too, because you could also be part of the, be part of the group too. Yeah. And like, who's to say, who's to say that your opinion matters more than their opinion? Absolutely. You just have, you just have control over the edit to a certain extent. Maybe you don't, maybe you're just out there interviewing. I don't know. Right. Absolutely. So you have worked, so Ice Road Truckers, then you have Bar Rescue. Those are two reality shows where you're working other than uh, John Tapper, who obviously knows what he's doing on camera and he's more of a performative person. But for the most part, you're working with normal people. Then you also produce the Jim Jeffries show. And obviously, Jim, Jim, Jim is a very performative, great stand up comedian, really a unique comedic voice. What's the difference working with someone like a performer like Jim Jeffries, who obviously you don't need to coach him on how to talk. The dude knows no. how to do that. Ever been to Delaware? If not, now is the time to visit. You'll find a lot of fun in a little state. Since you can drive anywhere in the state in a couple of hours, you'll spend less time driving and more time enjoying. Explore from the bays to the beaches, stroll the boardwalks, and have an oceanside bonfire. Get a taste of Delaware at one of the award-winning restaurants and enjoy a local craft brew. See the first state's unique historic landmarks and experience Delaware's endless discoveries. Plan your adventure today at visitdelaware.com. The legends are true. Overwhelming power. Sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Wickdonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece Nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at Wickdonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. What's the difference working with someone like that versus someone who is, uh, you know, just more of a normal person or more of a I, uh, not non-performer? I, I love, I love, I can't say enough good things about my time with Late Night. And I That's love awesome. working on the Jim Jeffrey show. Like, I love the people that I, that the friends that I made on that show are, are ride or dies for sure. Oh, good. Um, it's in, like, it was just, a, it was definitely like a, it was a little bit of a culture shock because all of a sudden I went from producing a you know weekly television show that took you know two and a half months to really cut together before it even got on the air to uh producing weekly segments that are shot and aired on the same day it's freaking <laughs> like, aw- that's so fun though it was great it was it was definitely like a, a breakneck speed all of a sudden and we were talking about topics that i mean and this is like very much in the in the early stages of like legitimate cancel culture and we're talking yeah. with a, a comic that is blue. Um, and we are talking about very hot, like hot button issues every right. single week. So it was definitely hard to, we definitely uh, on a daily basis, um, we would have in depth conversations, like eye opening in depth conversations about the like log line of whatever field piece we were talking about and right. what angles we should take and who we should talk to in order to convey the proper, the message that we were comfortable with uh, conveying. So like, it was definitely, um, it was, it was def that one was like, it was, it was way more intense on like a content curating. Yeah. Well, it sounds like uh, spectrum. It, it sounds like true trial by fire where it's like, yeah, some, maybe sometimes the blade will come out perfect and sometimes it won't. And either way we're yeah. going with it. Like we're, we're trying to cut with it. So whatever. It was definitely like very comedy where like sometimes things worked and sometimes they didn't. But like, I look back at the field pieces from that show and they age well. Yeah. Like we did a Q and on conspiracy theory where we interviewed Q people that. It must've been two and, years ago. It was, two, it was like two and a half years ago and Jeez, we interviewed them in a pizza place. For... Wow. <laughs> and like, but like in hindsight, but there is always, there is, and this goes for all 
all, I think, genres of reality, like, there's always an argument of, like, should we be giving these people a platform? Right, right. Which was my consistent argument on that, like, in my brain of, like, this is, it's important that we talk to these people, but it's, but also should we be giving them a platform? Like, I know. Where am I part of the problem? I've been talking about that on Abling It's Top Hat too, especially with what's going on this past week and everything, all the insanity. It's like, at some point you need to hear out the other side, but this is no longer a conversation when one side is clearly insane. You can't, yeah. it's like the idea of like false equivocation. We've come so far down the wrong way on false equivocation where it's like, Yep, doesn't these things are totally different and completely separate and one is far worse than the other. So I understand that must be kind of tricky to be like are we are we um single uh, signal boosting these people because right. of course like many cultists when someone does mock them it may it it uh it uh, victimizes them and it fulfills the prophecy that they're being mm-hmm. persecuted and that's got to be a tricky mm-hmm. thing to kind of trying to try to balance we and we did a story about diversity in comics and okay. uh diversity in comics and uh, as in like comic books or comedians comic books yeah okay. comic books um and we touched on um and we touched on gamergate um and and that world and i had been in touch with a kind of like it just a just a piece of trash just a guy just a bad dude right um that you have to kind of like sweet talk to get on the show and like do that whole um do that whole song and dance to get them agree to come to come on the show or whatever and get them to sign the paperwork and all of that like it's definitely not a it's not it's not a it's not a respectable job in some facets right because you you have to sort of be like yeah we're we can't wait for you to get Get out your thoughts. Yay. Yeah. Okay, cool. Did you make it to your hotel room safely? Like that. So like the, just like just dealing with these terrible humans and you're just like, I, and and this is kind of before I really understood the levity of the situation, like of dealing with or the some gravity of, these people. of it. Rather. The gravity yeah. of is Yeah. The gravity of the situation. Well, I had the exact same experience because I did. So Gavin McGinnis, I met him when I was doing Red Eye, which is that show at 3 a.m. Mm-hmm. on Fox. And I actually produced over there and everyone knows that story. And it's. In, it was so educational for me, but I did his show one time, his little b- podcast live show or whatever, and it took me so long to figure out like, oh, wow, like this is really, really seriously yeah. horrible. And then we went out for drinks afterwards and I'm like, he just says he went through the race breakdown. Asians are the smartest and so on and so forth. Oof. Total far right bull crap nonsense completely unproved just nonsense just totally nonsense and of course people like gavin mcginnis someone who hates immigrants and i'm like bro you're canadian this is why i have always said we need a wall on the northern border and i continue to do that not even as a joke anymore (laughs) they're taking our comedy jobs and i'm sick of these canadians but that is until you and of course now we're now that we're i i'm so happy that we are post what what we've been experiencing. I'm so happy to be post. And now yeah. we can look at hindsight. It's going to be so great for us as a country. Mm-hmm. I really believe so. But once you realize um, how serious these things can be, did you ever feel yeah. like, oh crap, we probably shouldn't have had, I know, yeah. I know you didn't have like Milo on or anything, one. but at some point you're like, why did we have these people on? Because they're, it's, just bad. The comic book guy is the one that I, there, we had two really. It was the comic book guy and another guy that I won't even I won't even utter his name. Yeah. But they were both of like just we should like in like I just I don't I don't know if that was the best way we could have told. I think we could have told the story differently because yeah. the the point of the piece was drowned out by the fact that this asshole uh you know decided to you know, you know, like, I, like, I don't even know, like the people we met, the good, the good guys in the piece are still people I talk to today. Right. Like they're still great people. And it was at comic con. It was a phenomenal, like just like having a good and like a fun, inclusive conversation just about the state of the world. And it, that part was the best. Right. I loved every minute of it. And then for it to have to be like drowned out by this like detractor that you're just like, Ugh, like why? Exactly. We shouldn't have even like, he just wants he he wants exactly what we didn't see coming. It was definitely uh, a new a new experience that I hadn't had before. And of course, you know, again, looking back, you're like, well, of course, the internet took the most fantastical, most controversial, and most ludicrous um, opinion and had that go crazy because the idea of like rational unity 
that doesn't sell. That doesn't no. get you likes. Yeah. That doesn't get you clicks. What's the point? Yeah, that one. That all in all, though, it was we did we did some really we did a piece with uh, these women women warriors in uh, South Africa that have that that hunt poachers. Oh, that's cool. And they're like military. It's like an, they're like military trained women, like this band of badass women that protect their villages and protect uh, the sanctuaries. Like it's like that. We did some incredible, incredible pieces. We had a ton of Tokyo pieces that we did that were so fun. Like we did some really awesome. We did a March for Our Lives piece that I still hold as like one of my proudest moments on that show. Like there's more pieces I'm more proud of that age have aged well than that haven't. What's one of your favorite places that uh, the business has taken you? And I'm assuming you're not going to say the ice roads of Alaska, unless I, of course honestly, you are. I will say, look, I live. I wound up living. <laughs> I in Alaska. love my eyeballs being frozen. I'm sick of seeing and I'm sick of moving these damn things. My favorite show that I've ever done uh, was it was called Flying Wild Alaska, and that was the one that probably like legitimately changed my life to a certain point. Like I almost moved to Alaska. I worked in Alaska for almost five years on and off. I'm so happy you didn't move to Alaska. At some point, like, you just have to end up stripping, which is it's fine. But <laughs> I've spent, I've shot in like every village in Alaska. I've spent a lot of time in Nome, a lot of time in Barrow, uh, a lot of time at a place called Unicleet. Um, I've gone to a ton of the villages. I, my, I, I love, I can't wait to take, uh, James has never been to Alaska. My husband's never been. And I, I'm excited to take obviously our kid Carson. Aww. Um, I want them to see like the Northern lights while we can still get them. I want them to see a polar yes. bear in the wild. Like, I think like that stuff's all like, it's like, there's like, Alaska's awesome and it's so easy to die there. <laughs> I know it seems that way. And that's why I want to go as well, but later in life when I'm ready to go. And then I'll go up to the top of the mountain and I'll stand. I've been playing Ghost of Tsushima. And that's how I want to die a warrior's death atop the mountain. Yes, indeed. Frozen to death. I mean, look, there's been so many. You like don't get too drunk in the cold because if you pass out, you're not. You're not waking up. Yeah, I'm. I'm from Wisconsin. I know that. Every year in Wisconsin, there'd <laughs> yeah, be a, there there'd go. be a few yeah. folks. Yeah, anyone from Chicago will understand. Yeah. That's what I'm beginning. <laughs> there's the uh, the smiley face killer. Everyone's like, people disappear near the lake, and there's a smiley face, and I'm like, they're hammered. They fell in. Yeah. Or it's a cop killing people, or they're hammered and they fell into the lake. Yeah. Like, one of the. Two. Yeah, and then they they find them in the thaw, and yeah. it's bananas. I'm just so happy you had a good experience with Jim Jeffries because there's nothing the there's nothing more sad than hearing stories, you know, obviously like, you know, the Ellens of the world. Hey, no, let's no, dance no. and yeah. be chipper and then it's like behind the scenes they're like I, brutal. I hold Jim. I legitimately think Jim is a comedic genius and I don't know if he'd I don't think he'll ever say that about himself, but like the man the man can like just watching him like like refine a bit is just through just through yeah. conversation. Like he would, right, he would right. come out unlike every, a lot of late night hosts, he would come out and warm up the crowd himself. Oh, that's awesome. That's insane. Like that never, like at certain points we'd be like, Jim, we have to take the show. And he's like, still do. He did like at one point he did a 45 minute set for just the, the show audience. That's awesome. Like, that's insane. It's insane. That's a man that really loves it. And that's so cool that he put himself and he put himself out there and let people, uh, you know, interacting yeah. with folks because that's uh, it's awesome, man. That's what it's all about. Yeah, He's a, he's one of the he's he's been he was great to work with being being a comedian, being a performer should always be a working class profession and no one should ever feel yeah. above the audience. Yeah, uh, because then, of course, uh, the audience is going to sense that. And then you're not yeah. going to be very funny to them, are you? No. Look at Bill Maher. All right. Well, thank you so much for being on the show, Katie. That was that awesome. That was fun. I love you so much. If you have not listened to Kind of Fun, check it out. Katie and I, we break down wrestling. We do a little bit of football. We'll do some basketball when it matters. But, you know, we're basically just huge wrestling nerds, so we talk a lot about that. And my God, did you see, by the way, did you see um, New Year's Evil by any chance? I haven't watched it yet. Mm-hmm. I'll You're watch gonna... it before Monday, though. Dexter Loomis, baby. I'm mm-hmm. telling you, there's something about him. Something about that man. Well, he keeps bodies in his in refrigerators. Yes, he does. That's why I love him. So weird. Katie Dirks, speaking of love, I love you, Katie. And give your best. Give my best 
to James. James, by the way, is also a very successful Hollywood producer, and he's produced some he's, content yeah. that uh, you're probably looking at right now he's on WWE. I think he's he's currently producing a very familiar title that we've talked about on the show. Yes, he is. Yes, he is. <laughs> Um, all right, everyone. Well, thank you so much for listening. We hope you're doing all right out there. Hang in there. We are in. Speaking of sports, we'll use an analogy. We're in the fourth quarter of this COVID thing, and oh. we are going to get through it. And my my folks actually in Florida were able to get the vaccine already. <gasps> oh, that's great. Yeah, and they're just, I mean, apparently everyone in there, like little, you know, com, com, ma, com, compound or whatever, I guess they got it. So it's it's happening. Great. Things are. That's it's, great. It is happening. Um, all right, everyone. Well, thank you so much for listening and check Katie out on all the social uh, media stuff. It's go go for Katie. Go for Katie on Twitter with a Y, Katie with a Y. And, and then the Battle, battle Cat. Yeah. The Battle Cat on Instagram. You can see photos of me uh, with, with uh, I don't know, my kid probably. <laughs> you blur. Are you going to, are you going to do the blur out the face on the baby pics or? No, nah, uh, we didn't, we didn't do that. I, I'm with you. Cause at some point it's also like, don't, I'm not going to assume yeah. That people are that perverted. I think I'm very, baby- I'm very selective about it, about what yes. photos we put up. But like, for, I mean, for the most part, it's. You know what's more disgusting than anything? Because I, so I got my two dogs. And of course, people are like, oh, you got to get Puffin and Jerry on Instagram, which I'm not going to do. It's just going to be on my Instagram if I take a picture of them. But I was talking to a friend of mine who, who he has, he has two kids. And apparently at the, at like, Kids will go and their parents will like Instagram videos. And he's like, literally parents will look at me and be like, we got to go home and load this up to Instagram and edit this. This <gasps> is going to be great. And I'm like, oh, what is it's ugh. too much work for me? That's well, wait, so you're, what already, is you're already raising a kid. Yeah. Everything else is it's already hard enough as it is. Don't make it more hard for you. Well, it's just so it's weird to hard. see the seeds of resentment being planted right in front of your eyes. And you're like, your yeah. kid is going to freaking hate you. What are yeah. you doing? Yeah. Anyway, well, your kid isn't going to hate you. And we're going to have a lot of adventures. Uh, in the future. I hope. I can't wait. I want him to meet people. He hasn't met anybody yet. Oh, my God. He is so freaking cute. Um, all right, everyone. Thank you so much for listening. Hail yourselves. We'll talk to you soon. This show is made possible by listeners like you. Thanks to our ad sponsors. You can support our shows by supporting them. For more shows like the one you just listened to, go to lastpodcastnetwork.com. Did you know that Delaware has endless discoveries? The first day invites you to explore miles of beaches and boardwalks, dozens of unique breweries, award-winning restaurants, some of the country's best state parks, beautiful garden estates, and even tax-free shopping. There's plenty of fun for the entire family and more. Find trip ideas and all the info you need to plan your Delaware discoveries at visitdelaware.com. The legends are true. Overwhelming power. The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Donald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at McDonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last.